Coming up on This Week in Games, Xbox shows off first gameplay footage of the Series X, YouTube signs one of gaming's biggest content creators, and Sensor Tower gets a massive cash injection from the private equity scene. Coming up, This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and this was another big shelter-in-place week. I'm pretty shocked every week at kind of the number of investments and acquisition moves that go on during the worldwide lockdown on top of a string of gameplay industry news that breaks. You know, it just shows that, like, we're the industry that keeps on moving no matter what's going on outside. And to kick it off, the big news this week was the first footage of the Xbox Series X. So Microsoft's Inside Xbox stream showed off first gameplay footage as well as launch titles for the next generation console. You can uh, check the show notes for links to the YouTube video of that and uh, more articles that I linked has to do with that. The Polygon article I linked, however, described the graphics as underwhelming. Now... I think that's a bit unfair, but also true at the same time. So the problem is the higher-end Xboxes weren't even unlocked unless you had an expensive TV to begin with. And the lucky few that had both a 4K HDR OLEM TV and the most expensive Xbox and games that took advantage of all the different um, rendering options on the most expensive Xbox, then if you played on setups like that, these games you know, don't look any better than what you already play with, except for maybe like more animations, more particle effects, more things being drawn on screen at once. But outside of that, yeah, I I kind of agree. And then I kind of disagree because it's been seven years, right? This is one of the longest gaps in console um, life cycle. By the time the PS5 gets released, it, it could even be like seven and a half years. One of the longest gaps in console generations. But this is also one of the few times where multiple upgrades have been given to these consoles and multiple like advancements in TVs have happened and so you know you see them reinvesting in the same console generation that the next big thing isn't going to look as big of a leap you know between like PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 right <sighs> and then you have to say like a lot of games were clearly made at least to me they look this way for this generation's consoles or with the intent to be multi-platform on either underpowered consoles or pc which has to support a wide range of power um or to be simultaneously released for this generation and next generation you always have to take a lot of this with uh you know grains of salt you really need to look to the first party platforms which is like halo infinite Um, If they release new Forza, things like that. Things built on Microsoft campuses specifically to sell the Xbox Series X. Even then, I I see both sides. I think it is unfair. Um, But, you know, again, if you're playing with a 4K HDR OLEM, um, whatever the high-end Xbox is called, the equivalent of PS4 Pro, I can see your argument. (laughs) Like It's just like the Delta is going to get smaller and smaller as we move up right and so doubling the polygons now might not do much you know just like when the iphone released retina and they were like well the eye can't really tell you know the difference between this and 4x retina and you know people argue back and forth whether that's true but there is something to that like you hit a saturation point where you could quadruple the amount of 
pixels on screen and it's not going to do that much for you detecting like the delta between two images. I think the real innovation next-gen consoles can provide is real-time ray tracing. And once games learn how to utilize this properly, that's when we get some jaw-dropping you know, visuals and things like that. Also, the elephant in the room is why are we still launching consoles? At some point, cloud gaming and their subsequent subscriptions will be our consoles. Like Microsoft is already going hard into this Game Pass, and I think it's the best deal in the game industry right now. Um, the other side of the coin is consoles will stop having generations and just continuously update hardware and versions to take advantage of the new technology, as we saw with like PlayStation 4 versus PlayStation 4 Pro. I think despite all of this, these consoles are going to sell like hotcakes. You know, because we're we're like trained right now to buy one thousand dollar phones every other year. So buying a three to five hundred dollar console every seven years actually seems reasonable. You know, compared to uh, what what you see in the rest of the technology. Anyways, I'm excited. Let's see what the next generation, you know, brings. Let's see what the industry shifts that happen during it. I think no one can predict anything right now. Like, is cloud gaming going to take over? Or is this the last console generation? You know, we've been seeing that for three console generations now. Um, are, is Steam TV going to finally take over? Who knows? Who knows what anything's going to happen? Like, hell, maybe Nintendo just keeps riding dominance and we're back to proprietary peripherals and, like, you know, consoles that look nothing like PCs. So we'll have to see. All right. Some more news. The Tokyo Game Show is the latest big-name victim of the global pandemic. Sessa and Nikkei, the organizers of the Tokyo Game Show, said a digital event is in the works and will be announced later. The show has been a major game industry event since its inception in 1996. Big bummer. Um, I think, you know, everyone saw this coming, especially once the Olympics got canceled in Japan. You knew that kind of the Tokyo Game Show was <laughs> around the corner to be canceled next Next up, this is a big one. Video Kingpin PewDiePie signs an exclusivity deal with YouTube. So for the proverbial undisclosed amount, Felix PewDiePie Kelgelberg, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong, has signed an exclusivity deal with Google's content monster YouTube. This is yet another signed mercenary in the war of YouTube, uh, Mixer, Twitch, and Facebook, and comes a year after PewDiePie signed an exclusivity streaming deal with DLive, which was... Uh, uh, um, decentralized, like, I guess, blockchain streaming platform. Now, obviously, all streaming will be done exclusively on YouTube. Smart move. You know, even though PewDiePie can be seen as way more controversial than other YouTube and Twitch personalities, he has a massive fan base. And I think of the time of reporting this, his, he had over 104 million subscribers on YouTube, and he had over 25 billion views on YouTube. So, can't argue with those numbers. I mean, you can try to contain them. You can try to make them less controversial. But if you let PewDiePie slip to Mixer or Twitch or something else, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Smart move by YouTube. Smart move by PewDiePie. I'm sure he's getting paid. So good all around. All right, next up. Rec Global and Talent X Entertainment launch Talent X Gaming, a talent agency for esports athletes and influencers. So Rec Global, for those of you who don't know, Describes itself as an esports infrastructure company that bridges the gap between traditional sports and esports, providing solutions for entire ecosystems. They're just an esports service company. They can do live events. They can do back-end services for esports. They can do a lot of things. Talent X Entertainment describes itself as the preeminent 360 talent management and entertainment company for the modern digital era. They're basically a management company for 
you know, esports streamers, things like less traditional people that are coming up. Together, they announced Talent X Gaming, a talent agency targeted at esports professional and game streamers. Makes sense. Most of you are thinking, what's the difference between a management company and an agent? About 5%. No, that's a joke. That's a terrible joke. Um, managers are like career guides. Uh, they make sure like your whatever, your long-term vision and brand are considered at all turns. They make sure you get from point A to point B. Uh, you know, I guess if you have drug and alcohol problems, they try to clean that up. Agents secure jobs or sponsors and are responsible for contracts and other things like that. Um, I guess you could... The way I really learned the breakdown between the two, which is terrible because it's a fiction television show, is Entourage because you have like uh, the actor's best friend, Eric, and you have the actor's agent, Ari Gold. And in later seasons, they bicker about the difference between a manager and an agent. I don't know. That's what I recommend checking out. <laughs> We're going to Entourage for educational. Um, I'd say there's more money in becoming the next WME or CCA for esports players than streamers than anything right now. Uh, way more money in you trying to be the esports team or esports company that signs these players. You might as well be the person who represents all these players, especially for streamers who seem to be signing kind of like seven and eight figure deals left and right, as I just covered with PewDiePie. So smart move. I could see Talent X Gaming blowing up. Speaking of blowing up, Activision Blizzard uh, is trying to stop future blowups. So Activision Blizzard partners with Sports Radar to monitor esports betting. So looking to monitor match fixing and other illegal activity related to esports gambling, Activision Blizzard signed a multi-year partnership with Sports Radar, a firm who specializes in this and has partnered with other companies like DraftKings, who obviously, you know, has to thwart off uh, illegal activity. Overwatch League and Call of Duty League will be the two esports leagues, well, under the sports radar, I guess. Um, very smart move. So like, like the classic version of this is... Let's say you're an Overwatch team. Let's say you're undefeated, and it's at the end of the regular season, and you're pretty much guaranteed uh, you're going to be placed first in like whatever Overwatch playoffs, right? And you're playing a crappy team at the very end of the season. Well, there's a lot of money in you guys funneling bets to other people and then purposely losing that last game betting against yourself and throwing the match and you could probably make more money doing that because the odds are stacked against you or against the other team than you would actually winning the match and so that's like classic match fixing you know there's all nuances you saw refs get in trouble for this in basketball you've seen players get in trouble for shaving points in every game under the sun um Smart move. Yeah, very smart move. Um, I applaud Activision Blizzard for being proactive on the matter. And again, whenever there's real money to be made off sports or game betting, fraud is going to be there. And last bit of news before we get into the business news. Annapurna Interactive hires Capybara Games co-founder Nathan Vela. So Vela will take a yet-to-be-named executive position at the now-famous indie publisher outfit Annapurna Interactive. Bella is also the founding one of the founding members of the Indie Fund, who has both funded Donut County and Gorogoa, which I love, um, which went on to be published by Annapurna Interactive. Um, I'm jealous. Annapurna Interactive is killing it with the most, kind of like with the best and most diverse list of award-winning indie games. Hit me up for a job. Like, where are the This Week in Game fans at Annapurna Interactive? But congrats, Nathan Bella. All right, let's get into business news. So the biggest business news of the week 
kind of coming out of left field. Like, I don't really... I don't really understand what happened, but uh, Sensor Tower takes $45 million from private equity company Riverwood Capital in a rarely seen private equity fundraising round. So let's look into this. So mobile data analytics powerhouse Sensor Tower has taken a massive $45 million cash injection from private equity firm River Ca- Riverwood Capital. Outside of a $1 million seed round in 2013, this is the only fundraising round Sensor Tower has done. So it's kind of out of the blue and it's for a lot of money and it's from a private equity company and not a VC or, you know, regular investors that you hear me cover on This Week in Games. So the question is, who is Riverwood Capital and why did Sensor Tower take it? Well, Riverwood Capital is based in the heart of Silicon Valley at Menlo Park and looking over their investments and how they describe themselves. um, They've invested in companies like uh, Neighborhood Social Network Nextdoor, as well as uh, the burger chain that's here in the Bay Area called The Melt. Seems to be a very growth-oriented PE firm as they take stakes in companies, help them grow, and then eventually sell them off as acquisitions to bigger companies. Um, they even have a list of, like, here's our current investments and here's our previous companies that we sold off as acquisitions. I mean, so that's their move. Um, why did Sensor Tower sell? Well, what is more likely a majority stake in their company? To quote the announcement from Sensor Tower's own blog, quote, Our success didn't happen overnight. But built instead upon years of forward thinking, innovation, and mindful growth, that kind of thoughtful decision making has led us to this pivotal milestone as we announced $45 million growth investment from Riverwood Capital. End quote. I, I read the whole blog. I'm just going to guess. Uh, this sounds like they're taking the money to get paid now and then maybe taking another smaller payday when they get acquired. Um, good on them. Like, if you think about this, Sensor Tower could go shop themselves around, right? And, you know, try to get acquired for whatever. Let's just throw out a number, like two, three hundred million. Um, I know Superdata was bought by Nielsen, but there's got to be a lot of analytic firms who would love to get their hands on gaming, which is arguably some of the most valuable data out there. So they could do it themselves or they could take money right now from Riverwood Capital, P firm who specializes in this exact thing. And then Riverwood Capital can go get them another payday later on. You know, you see that why do why do like you have to ask why do companies take private equity money in the first place, knowing that the private equity firm is trying to sell off the company or cut it up in pieces and sell off the profitable assets of it while loading up the unprofitable assets with debt. Like everyone knows this going in, so why do the leaders sell? And it's likely to get money right now and likely to you know put someone else in charge of parts of the business they don't specialize in or they don't want to do. I've personally used Sensor Tower a number of times at a number of companies. Can't complain about the service. Done what I expected it to do. You know, it's up there with App Annie and all the other um, mobile analytics services. I'd be curious to see who wants to buy a big data aggregator like Sensor Tower. Like I mentioned, Super Data was bought by Nelson. I covered that like a while ago. Yeah, who, who would be out there to buy it? It'd be an interesting conversation. Maybe... Like, and who could afford it? Because, you know, obviously, like, someone like maybe App Lovin', like one of those growth engines, which actually they're in the news later on, um, might want to buy it, but could they afford it? This is all interesting. So we'll have to keep this up. I mean, you have to think with Riverwood Capital now getting involved, that Sensor Tower will likely be sold in the next year or two, at least in the next five to 10 years, because that's when. Private equity funds have to return an investment. Anyways, I've rambled on too long. Let's go to the next news. 
Dazzle Rocks raises $6.8 million in a Series A. So this is an interesting company. Helsinki-based Dazzle Rocks is working on what they described as a mobile Minecraft sandbox MMO, um, which is just a lot of buzzwords, but it's what the kids love these days. <laughs> the Series A was led by Galaxy Interactive uh, through their whatever fun. You can look it up online. I've covered them tons of times. and includes six other investors such as Spintop Ventures, Modern Times Group, who's been on here a billion times and what is becoming like a weekly name that i say sizu game ventures so they're coming up they must have raised a bunch of money because every week they're throwing money at game companies dazzle rocks currently has 14 employees with ceo stella wayne coming from product management and executive production experience at rovio so uh pretty good pedigree 14 employees yeah i mean if you're taking on minecraft that seems like a good enough amount if every employee is very competent I definitely think the time is right for the next iteration of Minecraft for this younger generation. You know, maybe seven to eight years ago when every other Kickstarter was clearly either Minecraft-inspired or outright Minecraft-cloned, this would have been a bad idea. But right now, the audience is probably opening opening up to give another game a chance, and the younger generation could be grabbed away from Minecraft with a more visual-appealing game because... I have to say it, like, Minecraft looks like barf. <laughs> it's looked like barf since it was, like, released. Uh, I know kids have more imagination and are more, like, you know, open to, like, you know, games that aren't the best graphics. I'm not saying Minecraft needs to have, like, Xbox Series X gameplay footage graphics, but uh, maybe something a little <laughs> visual appealing, a little better. Um, so we'll see what Dazzle Rocks pops out of their company. Next up, Unity acquires Bolt. A visual scripting solution. So Ludix Bolt looks like all the other modern visual scripting languages, which have kind of like a mess of shapes and flowchart arrows that go in and out of the said shapes, um, pointing at specific variables or functions or properties. It gives me UML diagram PTSD from when I was in university. Um, And yeah, like, I mean, uh, Unreal has a solution very similar to this with uh, blueprints. So I, I guess they're comparable. Bolt will be Unity's official visual scripting solution, which is amazing. Honestly, love that Unreal and Unity do not rest on their duopoly of the game engine market and continue to acquire and innovate in the space of game development without increasing the cost of end users. So for no increase in cost, Unity and Unreal are just buying up companies and giving you more and more free services. Uh, Yes. Like, this is great. Thank you, Unity. Um, I don't use visual scripting solutions, but uh, maybe I should give them a try. It's a lot of kids are using them these days, so we'll have to see. But yeah, Bolt, probably going to be free for pro users and maybe another tier of users, maybe free for everyone. Great job, Unity. All right, AppLovin. I mentioned them before. AppLovin makes a strategic investment in the Redemption Games. So San Diego-based Redemption Games has received a fundraising round from the mobile marketing platform AppLovin. Like, I read the blog by Redemption Games, and it's in the show notes, but it, it reads like an investment was to keep Redemption Games operating independently as the sole owner of Redemption Games, and their sole game, Sweet Escapes, continues to attempt to climb the puzzle top grossing on mobile charts. Honestly, sounds like a win-win investment. AppLovin thinks Sweet Escapes is a top grossing game, and AppLovin's known as like kind of a growth engine. So their growth engine can get it there, and then they can advertise, hey, we took Sweet Escapes from whatever they're at now, probably some double-digit top grossing to single-digit top grossing, right? 
And then Redemption Games sounded like they needed a cash injection to stay independent, or at least that's how AppLovin makes it described <laughs> in their investment. Either way, win-win. I mean, if I was gonna, if I was a mobile game company that had a game out that I thought could get to the top, but I didn't have the UA war chest to get it there, partnering with someone like AppLovin is like no-brainer, right? Makes perfect sense. Sounds good. All right, last story of the week. Rogue Games. Rogue Games raises $2 million in a second seed round. So led by Bruna Capital, Rogue Games raises an additional $2 million after their $1.3 million seed round a little more than a year ago. Total fundraising, $3.3 million. Um, Rogue Games is a mobile publisher that claims to have been sitting on a number of announcements, including upcoming console releases and key hires that would be that were being saved for the now canceled E3. So Rogue Games claims, hey, at E3, we're going to announce a ton of crap. We can't announce it now, but we got more fundraising for all this awesome crap. Um, however, I will say <laughs> I shat on Rogue Games a few weeks ago because Rogue Games received bad publicity when they abruptly shut down the servers for Vainglory without informing the developer. And I still haven't heard their side of the story on the situation, so... Yeah, I'm a little like iffy about road games right now, but I'm sure they have their own side of the story as well. All right, that's it for this week in games. We did it. Another week on Shelter in Place here in San Francisco. I thank you guys for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave me a comment and let me know how I'm doing. You can email me at eric at thisweekingames.com. That's eric at thisweekingames.com. If you have any comments or suggestions on future stories, lastly, please check the show notes for any stories you heard today's episode. All right, I'm Eric for This Week in Games. I'll see you guys next week. Until then, take care.